0: Hey guys, Danny Sayers here and welcome to the TFO Football Podcast. Just a quick one, Joe is still doing this podcast today. Uh, He just forgot to do his intro, so I am doing it right now. Please don't be alarmed, you'll still hear his beautiful voice today. In this episode, uh, Joe and Alex speak about uh, Wayne Rooney and Eden Hazard. Of course, we covered... Both of these players in recent videos. If you want to find those videos, uh, the link will be in the description and also in the top right hand corner of your video if you're watching on YouTube. Before that, however, Joe spoke to Josh as well about uh, his first episode of Tifo's new podcast, This Football Life. As you know, we are expanding our podcast output from one to three. Joe has taken on two of these, the madman he is. He's going to be doing a weekly tactics podcast with Alex, but Josh, who already has a fantastic podcast. Is going to be bringing that podcast to the TIFO world for your ears. So that will be out at the beginning of January, and Joe talks to him about that. The first episode is an interview with Gre- oh, Greece. The first episode is an interview with Bruce Grobler. I hope I've said that right. So please keep an eye out for that if you're listening on SoundCloud, iTunes. If you're listening to this on YouTube, uh, the links to our SoundCloud and iTunes are in the description. But whilst I'm here, very quickly, I just want to wish you all. A very very merry Christmas. You guys have absolutely killed the support recently since our transition from Umaxit to Tifo, and everything is just rosy. And that's because of you guys. So please, I will stop talking now. Enjoy the podcast. And here comes Joe. Merry Christmas. (laughs)
1: so very briefly I'm joined again uh, by Josh uh, to talk about his new podcast This Football Life uh, which is coming out in January Uh, we're going to talk about the first episode now which will be coming out the first week of January we're not entirely sure what day yet but you'll know when we do Um, so who was your first interview for us Josh and uh, tell us a little bit about what we can expect to hear from that podcast
2: uh, well, my, the first interview is with Bruce Grobelar, who was the Liverpool uh, goalie for over a decade. I mean, he had like uh, over 600 appearances with the club, you know, at their, that, their absolute heyday. So this is, you know, they won multiple European Cups, multiple league titles, won every trophy under the sun. But in it, we, we talk a lot about what formed him as a person, which was he's one of the only footballers that's ever been to war. And he fought in the Bush War in, in Rhodesia, what is now called Zimbabwe. And, you know, for the first part of the podcast, we talk about how that shaped him as a person. And, you know, he was very known for uh, a lot of his uh, antics and for being a clown. And it all kind of stemmed back to as a kid or, you know, as a, as a young man being in war and, and seeing some of the things that he saw. And that kind of gave him that uh, you know, relaxed attitude, shall we say, um, that, you know, always put a smile on his face for the rest of his career because he appreciated life so much more than than the average person.
1: It's an interesting notion, isn't it, that a footballer might have gone to war. I suppose, you know, decades ago, it's something that probably would have happened pretty regularly, but nowadays is something that you would almost certainly never see.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, in the days of, you know, World War Two, of course, like you had a lot of footballers thereafter, like coming back from the war, but, you know, he's one of the only people and... As he says in the in the episode, it's hard to take some things as seriously. You know, a lot of coaches will make a lot of war comparisons, and it's like going to battle. But he's like, no, but I went to battle. I, you know, I watched people die. And he, he talks a lot more specifically about those experiences in, in the interview. And he's like, yeah, so it's hard for me. To, it was hard for me to just, you know, pretend it was as serious as it was because he knew things were actually way far, way more serious in uh, other
1: parts of the world and in other aspects of life in general. Oh, it sounds very interesting. We'll look forward uh, to hearing that. The first episode of This Football Life, that'll be coming out in uh, the first week of January. Josh, thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was, It's absolute pleasure. We've got two different uh, players to talk about today, Alex. The subjects of uh, two recent Tactical Profile videos, Hazard and Wayne Rooney. Uh, fairly different players, uh, but also positionally quite similar at the moment you could say because what we've seen from Eden Hazard this season a slight change from Chelsea's formation last year he's become more of a number 10 more of a supporting striker at times Uh, and while Wayne Rooney's not been playing in central midfield Sam Allardyce has liked to push him back up into that number 10 role as well so there are some similarities as well as differences.
3: Yeah I suppose
1: Hazard obviously
3: has uh, much greater mobility um, and I think has has shown that he's got a, that kind of inventiveness. Rooney seems to be growing into a player through whom uh, a lot of linking play goes. So I think he's got less of a requirement to create these moments of brilliance. Although, you know, he does he does have them still from time to time, but it's it, he's more of a sort of solid linking 10. Whereas Hazard is this kind of impish creative force that can, can go wherever he wants to go and and has a, a much greater license. I think also Hazard... I, I, I don't want to say that Hazard's one of these players who doesn't feel a team responsibility because he absolutely does and, and he works hard and he tracks back and all the rest of it, but I think he is probably more prone to trying to take things on himself. Rooney seems increasingly concerned with the rotation of play, uh, dropping in to create a link that may be as well because Rooney's playing as a a ten that's that's part of three attacking midfielders by and large with a striker ahead, whereas Hazard is is really behind a striker himself or with another. So there's there's not as much room to rotate. There aren't as many supporting players around him. Uh, and that might be why Rooney's kind of dropping in and, and taking on that linking role.
1: Mm. It's a picture of, of different ages in some ways as well. As you said, Azad obviously has much more b- mobility than Wayne Rooney does. You mentioned in the Azad vid- in, in video that one of the reasons he's working in that supporting striker role Uh, He has Fabregas and uh, Drinkwater and Kante behind him. But in between uh, the gap of the strikers and midfielders, the reason it works for him is because he has the ability to beat players in in a one-on-one in perhaps a way that that Rooney doesn't anymore, you know, with a lack of pace. Yeah,
3: I I think it's quite interesting watching um, Rooney particularly recently. There is still pace there to a degree, Um, and his ability to, to kind of, I think it was against West Ham, he started a move and then there was a, a genuine concerted sprint to get himself into the box to finish it off. But I think his ability to, to do that consistently has obviously and understandably diminished,
1: um, and that explosiveness that I think he used to have when he was younger, yeah, you know, the first sort of ten years, absolutely. And and I think where he still retains the physicality is
3: in his ability to hold players off, um, mm. and and control the ball. I mean, he Rooney is losing the ball quite a lot at the moment, and and that that might be misdirected passes or it might be getting tackled. But what he he likes to try and do is to to drop in and then shield the ball, playing with his back to the opposition goal quite a lot. And lay it off to other people, whereas Hazard, I think, much more has the ability to gather that ball and pivot and drive forwards himself um, or to to take, you know, take the ball running onto it and then continue that momentum forwards. Because also Hazard is and and I think probably always has been a better dribbler. Um, You know, Rooney, Rooney wasn't a bad dribbler, but he he was much more about the quick interchange and, and moving on. Whereas I think Hazard likes to retain control of the ball and, and drive it forwards himself a lot more. So that there there are definitely differences in the way they play and and you know, comparing Hazard now with Rooney at his peak, you're still comparing two different players let's talk
1: about hazard then uh, he's in this new chelsea system which is, has not been i suppose as, as illuminated as uh, the 343 was last year or celebrated let's say um it's a slightly less obvious tactical change uh we think it's become more of a, of a 352 uh, practically speaking or a 3511 maybe you would describe it with hazard just behind morata i think one of the key differences is that there's now essentially three central midfielders there's Kante uh Drinkwater's been playing as well alongside Fabregas so I wonder if uh, the you know the reason for that is to allow Fabregas more time to be creative or what what what's the uh, the general purpose for this shift in formation because the 3-4-3 worked so well last season it did um I suspect
3: that it, it is to address that that creativity further back um it's all very well having an attacking trident of excellent players, if if you can't get the ball to them, that's going to be essentially useless. Um, obviously, Chelsea have retained the width using the wing-backs that they've been, you know, uh, Alonso and um, Victor Moses, and, and there's still dynamism and, and link-up play coming from them. But I think what we saw, and I suppose what really surprised me about last season, actually, was, was how, and we did look at this a bit, um, how telling... Fabregas's contributions were in the fairly short periods of time that he played. Um, he was by no means a regular player for Chelsea, and yet, in terms of assists, chances created, and key passes, his per 90 metrics were massively higher than anybody else's in that Chelsea side. And I think maybe, particularly with uh, Nemanja Matic moving on to Man United um, and Kante definitely not being a creative player and Drinkwater still finding his feet. Uh, Antonio Kante looked very sensibly at what is my team not able to do so well now and how can I address that And rather than buying in a player necessarily. Because actually Drinkwater is not playing the same way that he did at Leicester City. Um, At at Leicester City, Drinkwater was really responsible for those long raking passes particularly out to the wide right or the right half space that Mares would run onto or that Vardy would come and collect and run onto um, and he's not doing that very much and and if you watch Drinkwater actually a lot of what he's doing is he's su- he's supporting Kanté in terms of screening closing down um and and kind of you know, providing those little one-two quick passes to get the ball to a, a more creative player. He's also working very, very hard in showing for the ball, even if it's not coming to him, and trying to disrupt the opposition's defensive block by his movement. Um, and what that does is on the right-hand side of midfield, the right central midfield, where Fabregas is playing, Fabregas therefore has more room to push up and to sometimes join right up to where Hazard is, but also to to have a bit more space and a bit more time to be the creative force. And it's it's remarkable, really, that you know, Fabregas has kind of had this season of hiatus last season where he you know he contributed well, but he wasn't getting regular game time, and he's now once again, even as he's moving to the, the twilight of his
1: career, becoming. Crucial to the way that Chelsea generate chances. Let me ask you this: in the new Chelsea system, uh, where does Willian fit in? Because he's not he's not had such a, an important role this this season. Um, and you know, I know that you know he has been slightly inconsistent over the last three years, but certainly two of those he's been very very important. Yeah,
3: I, Willian has always, I suppose, confused me a little bit in terms of of how Chelsea use him because he seems like one of those players who doesn't often get on, but when he does, he seems to make stuff happen. Um, I mean, obviously he's, he's an exceptional free kick taker and his dead ball delivery all round is very impressive, which, which does help. He's very working. He's quite disciplined actually, in terms of the positions that he takes up, particularly when he's been playing in that kind of wider right role. Um, I, yeah, he's I don't know. So, <laughs> and he is very, very fast. Um, I think, yeah, I, I I suppose the natural slot really for him would be the slot that Hazard is currently playing uh, in that formation. I'm not well, sure because
1: otherwise, I mean, the the other slot that he's played in regularly is the sort of right winger, and there there isn't one here, or or if there is, Victor Moses is is playing. That yeah, as fullback, no, back, I, as I,
3: I, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think he can. I think he can play more centrally. What I don't think he can do is play more centrally and further back Um, and I don't see why he'd need to either because you know Chelsea have got players that can do that and I mean actually the way someone like Andreas Christensen is playing you could almost see if if there was some sort of midfield disruption there Christensen could step up into the Kante role and then Kante could play the drink water role and and it would you know, it it wouldn't disrupt it too much. Christensen has been hugely impressive this season, so I think Chelsea have options there. I think they have options. What they've done is they've they've reduced the number of kind of pure attacking players that they're fielding in order to facilitate the movement of the ball from back to front. Um, uh, they've got fewer people up top to receive the ball, but when those players are very well balanced with each other in that you've got Hazard, who is dynamic, good at dribbling, good at carrying the ball, Morata, who is a very strong physical presence and hard working forward with a great positional sense. You know, those two players do complement each other well. When they're supported by a, a central midfielder pushing up or the wing backs getting into advanced positions, you, you don't actually need to be playing three up front. So, what Chelsea have done makes sense. But it does also mean that there are Chelsea players who aren't going to get into that team all that quickly.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, let's take it over back to, to Wayne Rooney then, because he uh, had some stiff competition in the Everton side in terms of midfielders and, and attacking midfielders. But he's been essentially vital to them this season, or certainly under Allardyce, right? I mean, he's there, isn't he? Is, he, is it right to say he's their top scorer?
3: He's their top scorer. Uh, yes, he's also only just behind Sigurdsson in terms of chances created. Um, but I think what's also crucial is just how much of the play goes through him um, and how how much he will drop back. Uh, it, I suppose you've got the way that they've been playing recently, and I say recently in kind of the, the, the Allardyce takeover period. Um, they've gone for a really quite solid midfield double pivot. Um, Idrissa Gay, who's actually a really good player. um, And Morgan Schneidling, who is a curate's egg because he was exceptional at Southampton alongside Victor Wanyama um, when they were playing there together. And then obviously Schneidling had that move to Man United, which went absolutely nowhere. Uh, And he doesn't seem really yet to have found his feet. But he's playing in the right sort of position for him now, slightly deeper.
1: Alongside the right sort of player, perhaps. As alongside
3: well. the right sort of player,
1: crucially, that yes. That was never going to happen at United.
3: Uh, no, it wasn't, no. Um, and it and it's a shame, because actually, you know, I, I do think Schneidlin has has the ability still to, to be a very competent Premier League midfielder. But, uh, you know, that time at United really set him back. So... So you're not going to get a lot of creativity from that midfield. You you know, you, Schneiderlin will make supporting runs. He is capable of making good passes, but he isn't a deep-lying playmaker at all. So what you then need to do is pack that, that front three, but also, crucially, to, to provide a link between the midfield two, whose basic job it is to win the ball back, and then the player's up top of that. And what, what's quite interesting is that so far Allardyce seems to have been using a genuine winger on the right-hand side in Aaron Lennon. And then Guilfi Sigurdsson on the left. Sigurdsson is not a winger. So what happens is Rooney drops back towards the central midfield. That allows Sigurdsson the space to cut inside and you can then have a player like Leighton Baines overlapping deeper on the left whereas you don't need that so much on the right because Lennon is actually out there and and is providing width on the right-hand side.
1: So Allardyce has got himself a lopsider. Yeah, yeah,
3: effectively. Um and it and it does it makes sense with the personnel that they've got available. I mean, Jonjo Kenny is is not bad at going forwards, um but he's definitely not Leighton Baines and they also well you know, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has played as a left winger. He's being used as a striker before. Um, Adamola Luckman has a lot of potential as a left winger, but he's not quite ready to be starting games yet, I don't think. So Allardyce has done what all sensible managers should do when they come into a club, which is to look at who they've got available, who's strong in which positions, and then kind of tweak the, the formation to suit that.
1: What I found uh, interesting about the, the, the Rooney video is, as you've mentioned already in this podcast, we discuss how the play, so much of it goes through Rooney. Um, and that reminded me actually of what happened at Manchester United when he was still there. It was actually, you know, became one of the criticisms of the team that included Rooney United, that the play did go through him, that he was very demanding that, you know, the ball be passed to him. And also because of the prestige of his position, the players around him were obviously going to give him the ball. Uh, The criticism there was that he slowed down the play, that he played uh, passes, you know, those long diagonal balls that either slowed down play generally or didn't find their man, you know, didn't have the effectiveness that the the desired effectiveness, I suppose. Um at, at Everton, is there is there a slightly different set of expectations or is he playing better? Is it working as the play goes through him? Or do you think that we might start to see those same same frustrations? I think we'll see those same frustrations. Um I I think because it's, I'm sorry to interrupt, you, but but the, just to, to clarify, that it's very easy to make the problem him because the play goes through him so much, and he yeah. demands that when he's not playing well, the team doesn't play well. But purely based on on how much of the ball he gets, if that makes sense.
3: No, no, no that that makes perfect sense. Um, I, I think there's I think there's a couple of points to make there. Firstly, it, arguably the the two players that are not suffering is the wrong word, but the two players that are not getting as much game time as they would have done since Rooney's joined certainly would be Tom Davis, who was obviously the young player of the year last year for Everton. Um, and, and I guess to a degree Lookman, because if Rooney wasn't playing Sigurdsson would be central and then Lookman would be on the left. So you've, you have got two young players who are particularly in the case of Davis, very talented, who's, development might be slightly thwarted by that so I I think that is one thing because Everton Everton have had a tradition of of developing younger players or bringing players through quite ably and which they're continuing with you know John Joe Kenny is is now pretty much a a regular starter in the right back role Um, so there is that I think secondly the, the, the expectations are very different so Everton were suffering to a degree uh, before Allardyce came in. I think Allardyce is the sort of manager who would look at a player like Rooney, look at everything he's achieved, look at how much of a figurehead he can be in that team, in that dressing room and say, I want to make him central to stuff. Um, And that will obviously benefit Rooney because that's, that's what he wants. But if you look at what he's doing he is making a lot of mistakes. You know, there is, he, he, he seems to give the ball away quite a bit. He's, so I, I think it's, this it's what, what reminded
1: me of before actually, because uh, another video we've made, I'm not entirely sure if it will be out by the time this podcast is, I think if not, it's coming out in the week, but you wrote a, a player profile on uh Sergei Savic, Savage, who's a young Serbian player. Um, who's uh, you know very impressive and potentially you know one of the next great central midfielders maybe uh but one of the criticisms uh, leveled against him is that he loses the ball a lot although the caveat there is that he's very young <laughs> and that that's something that you know you would expect to, to you know to come with experience
3: yeah and I, and I think what's interesting is that if you look at Milinkovic-Savic, a lot of the time when he's losing the ball it's it's because he's he's taking it in very tight areas. He's he's kind of an out ball um, on the the left hand side of Lazio's midfield. So Strakosha, the goalkeeper, or Stefan Radu, who's the the left sided centre back of a, of three centre backs, quite often ping the ball long to him um, because he's six foot three, six foot four, um, very capable in the air. So if he's taking that down, trying to control it, and and then move it on. He's often doing that under considerable pressure. So I, I'm I'm kind of more keen to to accept that he's he's being dispossessed kind of for sensible reasons. He's not going off on azard like runs and just losing it every time um or overrunning the ball horribly like a Jesus Navas. Rooney, I think it's more misplacing of passes. I think when Rooney this is this is the issue with like highlights videos rather than watching full games or watching every interaction that that a player has because you can get a very skewed perspective of what a player is doing and and you might see something where you know for the the second goal that Rooney scored against West Ham he drops in, he lays the ball off the ball gets circulated outright he makes this lovely breaking sprint finishes it glorious stuff right and and you think oh Rooney's dropping in that's really working and then you actually watch particularly against Newcastle for example where even towards the edge of his own box he was giving the ball away because he was dropping in to lay it off but he wasn't giving the pass with enough pace or the other player that he was trying to pass to was misreading his intentions and had moved in a different direction so like it can work And Rooney's still capable of moments of great skill, capable of great passes like the one that set up Calvert-Lewin for the penalty against Liverpool. But it's it's not a perfect system. And I think for Allardyce, it's probably a trade-off. You know, it's those mistakes versus his ability to score goals, which is currently unrivaled in that Everton side. And the leadership that he provides and you know the the fact that particularly for those younger players that it's someone to whom they can look up and go you know well we've got him in our team and that there's always the possibility then that something's going to happen and i think everton needed that that kind of morale boost and that that pickup given how poorly they'd started
1: okay the final question then i suppose would be how long do you anticipate that rooney will continue playing and uh, how long do you think that Azad might remain at uh Chelsea, oh, um, I mean, I think Rooney's probably got
3: probably one more season, but of waning impact, oh. no pun intended <laughs> um sorry that was that was genuinely not deliberate um where would azard go? uh I suppose he's not gonna go to anywhere in England, I suspect.
1: yeah, maybe um, sure, you've said that in the Spanish accent. <laughs>
3: I, I don't see that there's an issue with that. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's there's been a lot of talk about how you've obviously got a sort of top echelon of players in the world in which you'd probably put three currently, and they are the obvious three, uh, Messi, what, Ronaldo Neymar? and Neymar, yeah. Okay. Um, and And they are kind of streets ahead of everyone else. But there is a second tranche underneath them, and you'd probably put people like... Suarez in there, you might put Bale in there. You, Johnny Evans, definitely Johnny Evans, who yeah. on the current version of Football Manager seems to get bought for like thirty million.
1: Hey, it's happening in January. Uh, it, well, he's not—he's not, he's not going to be thirty million because his contract runs out at the end of the season. Sure. They just failed to sign a new one, but uh, know, talk is bonkers. talk of the town. Johnny Evans will be heading to uh, BIG Club. Well, I. I and, and I, you know, he's a
3: very, very good defender. So power to him. Um, but yeah, he's not in that second bracket. And, and Azard is in that second bracket. Now, whether he's able to sustain that or even elevate it at Chelsea, or whether he needs to move to a marquee club in order to do that, and if so, like where would right. it be? Um, I don't know. I mean he's been at Chelsea a while, hasn't he? So yeah. I mean at least know,
1: 5 years, possibly possibly longer.
3: Yeah, because he moved from Lille, didn't he, in 2000 yes. was 2012-13 was yeah. either his last season at Lille or his first at Chelsea. I, I can't remember. Um
1: but, but I mean I think he's a sort of natural replacement for in some ways for for Cristiano Ronaldo when he leaves Real Madrid, which can't be that long. Um, and I, in I, terms I, of other players who are available unless they were to you know, do do the dirty and get Neymar. Mm. There's there's not too many other options at the, at the moment who could you know be a stopgap between that and the next Galactico.
3: No, and and I think Hazard definitely definitely could fit into the kind of Galactico mould. He he has all of the attributes for that. Um, and I suppose in England, you know, possibly could he fit in at Man City, but would Chelsea ever want to sell him there? He. PSG also, is another so, also, possible.
1: It sounds a lot like um, Man City are still going to try and buy Alexis Sanchez, and since that they've already, you know, they've already got Sane who's playing on the left as well. I just wonder where where Hazard would fit in. It might be too expensive to be worth the bother.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, t- t- actually, if I if I were Man City, I wouldn't even. I mean, you'd probably be buying Sanchez to weaken Arsenal as much as anything else. They they, they don't need anybody up there really. I, I think City City probably needs a little bit more cover in central defence and a little bit more cover in central midfield. I don't think they've got any issues anywhere else. I mean look at you've got a player as good as Bernardo Silva who's mm. barely getting a sniff of any game time. Yeah. Because that front three is playing so well. It, and like, plus
1: whenever he scores people just assume it's the other guy. They assume
3: it's the other guy. So so why would you look to invest huge amounts of money oh, yeah, unless there were some unless it were partly to weaken the other sides and again City are playing so well at the moment they don't need to weaken anybody else no they don't so yeah maybe Real Madrid maybe you're right maybe you're okay. like
1: psychic Joe well I think it'd just be rational but oh, cause I'll because football's known again. for its rationality mm. uh, next week Alex uh, you and I will do a sort of brief tactical review of the uh, of the Premier League season mm. thus far uh, emphasis on brief um, yeah you know Festive period and all that. Yeah, it's a festive period. Uh, But thanks very much for for joining us this week, and uh, do hope you enjoy a happy holiday. Yeah, likewise to you too, and to all of our lovely listeners. Okay, uh, thanks to everyone for downloading, and uh, see you again next week.